and then, then it's going to be like 60 on Tuesday, you know, and rain. So, you know, love this, this uh, Tennessee weather we get. You never know what you're going to get. It's like a box of chocolates uh, sometimes. Even the weather guys have a hard time sometimes keeping up. But nonetheless, you're out and about. So why don't we make the most of this next three hours together? And uh, just, I'm kidding, okay? I'm kidding. Because some of you are like are Steelers fans, and they play at like noon. So you're like, you better get me out of here. So uh, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do my best, all right? Uh, I know it's playoffs. But uh, for those of you... Uh, who could care less about football, um, then let's get into the Word. But uh, nonetheless, let's, uh, let me turn your attention to, to a scripture. It's in the message version, okay, this morning. Uh, it'll be on the screen. And then um, and I'm going to go ahead and ask you to open your Bibles to uh, the New Testament, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Today I want to talk uh, to you guys uh, about great expectations. Great expectations, the expectations that God has for us and the expectations that you and I can have on, on our God and the relationship that we have with Him and can have with Him. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, uh, Paul writes this in the message translation. He says this, He says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. Can you say within us? Make it personal, say within me. His spirit deeply and gently within us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this opportunity to gather as a church family in your name and in your presence. I thank you for opening up the door to come to you through Christ Jesus, who tore the veil and made it possible for us to have a personal relationship with our God. And today, Father, as we open your word, we expect you to speak to us. God, we would want you to speak to us. And Lord, even in those areas of our life where we're hesitant, we ask, as your scripture said, that you would deeply and gently work within our hearts today. We give you this time. We give you our attention. Lord, we give you our hearts. We open ourselves to receive from your word now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone who desires that can just say amen. 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 Praise God. So be it on that. You know, our God is able to do greater things in our life, more than you and I are even able to ask or think or expect, as the Scripture says. So as much as you and I can have great expectations on God, God is able to do greater than that. That should put some faith inside of our hearts. That no matter the the greatest need you and I have, the greatest level and measure of faith we can grow to, God is able to do above that. And other translations say exceedingly and abundantly above all that we may ask or think according to the power that works within us. His power is the Holy Spirit, as as the um, message translation says, is working deeply and gently within our lives. 
And so God has great expectations for us, but we're also to have, we're called to have great expectations of Him. So we're going to look at uh, a particular part of, of Scripture here in Matthew chapter 6. If you haven't already turned there or thumbed your way through it on your smartphone, Matthew chapter 6. It's the Sermon on the Mount. This is right in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and he's, he's teaching really a, a message series about great expectations, expectations that, that God, His Father, has of those who follow His Son, Jesus Christ. And so we're going to look at, at three things here in the Scripture as we, as we begin this 21-day journey together as a church family. You know, it's better to do things together than all alone. Um, and especially when, it's, when it comes around life and comes around faith and growing in God, and maybe even through challenges, it's better to have somebody with us. Because the Scripture teaches us in different places that two are better than one. When one is weak, the other is strong. When one is down, the other is up, and all these things. And so uh, God knows what He's doing when it comes to the context of, of togetherness and, and unity and working together and living life together. And so, uh, so anyway, we're going to look at these three things that, that go hand in hand and, and, and as it lays out to uh, the expectations that God has, these great expectations that He has upon our life. Let's look at the first part of this. Matthew 6, verses 1 through 4. Jesus is teaching and He, he says this. He says, Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. It's good news right off the bat. Jesus said, look, God's got a reward for you. He's got good things He wants to put in your life, but there's a way to go about receiving them. Verse 2, He says, when you give to someone in need, when you give, it speaks to expectations, when you give to someone in need. Jesus is laying it out. Look, I expect those who follow me to be givers and to be givers into other people's lives. It's this expectation that he has. He says, so when you give, in other words, I expect you to give to those in need. Don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and in the streets to call attention to their acts of charity. He says, I tell you the truth. They have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, there it is again, when you give, in other words, I expect you to give to those in need. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Verse 4, give your gifts in private, and your Father, who is God, who sees everything, will reward you. So God sees everything, and He has a reward for those who give to others in need and do it according to the way He lays it out. In other words, don't make a big deal out of what you do for other people. Go ahead and do what it is I put on your heart to do. And don't brag about it. Don't boast about it. Don't get on Facebook about it and, you know, lay it out. I just did this and that and the other for so many, all these different people or what have you. It's one thing to give credit to God. It's another to draw attention to ourselves. Amen? Amen? So, see, so don't, don't, make, don't, don't, don't make a big deal out of, out of what you're doing for me. And sees, he, because of this, he says, God, my Father, he sees everything already. And if you do, and if you give, and when you give, because I expect you to give to others in need, then I see it, and when I see it, then I'm going to reward you at the appropriate time. I have a reward. In other words, God operates by his, by his protocol, by the law of, 
in the principle of sowing and reaping. As one sows, so shall you also reap. And Jesus is saying, look, there's a greater reward that comes from God the Father than, than that that comes from people noticing what you do for somebody else. Now, I get it. Sometimes that you're going to do things. We're going to give to people. We're going to help people in need, and others are going to notice it and all that. Not, that's not what he's getting at. What he's getting at is the onus on, on the individual to not draw attention to themselves. Right? You follow me? So he's teaching all of this in context here. He's laying all this out because it's, it's leading up to something. And, and so he says, look, I, God the Father sees everything, and if you're going to do, and if you're going to give, and when you give to others in need, and you do it with the right heart, then here's what happens. God the Father sees it, and God knows what you will have need of in your own life, and He will reward you, and He'll bring good back into you. Now, we, as Lindsay just, just finished a few minutes ago, uh, just really giving us uh, a, a glimpse of everything that you and I as a church family did over Christmas, helping others in need, um, that is a one huge, big illustration of how when we give to others in need, how God takes it and helps other people. And, and then attached to that, maybe you've already have uh, received from the benefit of your giving, God blessing you in return. God sowing right back into your life. God giving right back into you, rewarding you because you did it with the right heart. And that's what Jesus is, is getting at. Everything in our relationship, in our, in our following of Christ is really not about the external as much as it is about the internal. And that's where we get hung up over, especially as we relate to other people, because why? Man sees by the outward appearance, right? Man looks at what happens on the outside. But God looks at what happens on the inside, inside the heart. And he has a way, God knows, and he has a way of getting to you the rewards that he wants you to have based on your heart and your, and your uh, obedience to him. Giving is just one primary way. In fact, he goes on to expound on this starting in verses 19 through the end of chapter 6. He goes on and talks about, he teaches on possessions and materialistic things and not worrying and not, not fretting and not having anxiety about what you might have need of, what you're going to, what, you know, how you're going to get through this, how you're going to have this happen for you and all these different things. And he goes on and expounds on this after this part of his teaching. And he basically comes down to this. He says, look, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else that you have need of is going to be added to you. In other words, if we will make our heart right with God, keep ourselves in right uh, standing with him through humility and through the things that we talked about last week about confession of our sins, repenting of our sins, making sure we, we, we let God in and God is faithful and just to forgive us, Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to give you what you need to live. I'm going to make sure you have what you have need of, especially if your heart is to help other people. Amen? And I'm so thankful for a church like ours who has a heart. All of you, you have a heart to help other people. You always have. You astound me every year. You, I, I think it just is an amazing thing what our church is capable of doing. I mean, you add all those numbers up with people, and it, and it, it, it goes way past 100 individuals that our church helps, uh, especially at Christmas, but during the entire year we do many different things, but especially at Christmas we reach out and bless other folks. So I want to say thank you for that. But he goes on. He doesn't just stop at giving. He goes on and he says this, verse 5. He says, when you pray... Another, there it is again, when you pray, 
In other words, there's an expectation. I expect those who follow me to pray. He says, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. And I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. He says, but when you pray, again, expectation, when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, pray to the Father in private, and then your Father who sees everything, hears everything, knows everything, he will reward you. Verse 7, when you pray, going on again, expectation, expectation. He said, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. He says, don't be like them, in verse 8, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. So it sets this expectation again. Not only does he expect his followers to be givers into other people's lives and to help those in need, but he expects his followers to pray, this great expectation to pray. But he gives this, this teaching point, this expansion on, on this understanding. Look, don't make more of it than it is. Don't make a big deal out of it. Don't make yourself appear to be more religious or righteous than somebody else. Because it's not about all the external things that we can showcase for others. It's about the internal part of our heart. The part none of us can see. And that's, that's a difficult thing for us. So don't dress up your prayers. And then in this, he said, don't, and I like to say it this way, don't make a religion out of your prayers. Make it a relationship. Don't make a religion out of your prayers but make it about a relationship because, in essence, that's what praying is all about. There's, in general terms, in the simplest format of praying, there's basically two types of prayers. Intercessory prayer, praying for other people, and intimacy prayer, praying honestly and transparently from our heart to God our Father. And so he, he, he says, look, it's about a heart issue and it's about a relationship. It's about a relationship. And he gives this expansion here this he expounds on this in verses 9 through 13 and he says in verse 9 pray like this in other words have these next few things that i'm going to say as expectations in your approach and in your prayer to god let's look at these verse 10 or verse 9 he says our father in heaven may your name be kept holy our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name our father who is in heaven Pray like this. In other words, talk to God like He's bigger than anything for you. Because He is. He's trying to get His followers to understand. You need to know my God the way I know Him. As close as I know Him. You need to know Him. And the way you get to know Him is you talk to Him. You pray to Him. And he says, our, he's our Father. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven. Pray to God. Talk to God like he's bigger than anything for you. And talk to God like he cares more for you than anything else. Because he does. See, it changes the whole game plan of our life. And the trajectory of our, of our life. When we approach God, that he is Father God. And that he is bigger than anything. And he cares greatly for us, his children. 
because he really does. So we talk to him like that. Just like you would talk to somebody you really, 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 really know and you're comfortable with and you're close to, you just kind of say whatever's on your mind. You don't really filter it through too much. Those you're closest to, you just kind of talk. Hey, what's up? You just talk. Why? Because you know they get you. And you know you get them. And the same is with God. He gets you. He understands you. Talk to Him. like He's bigger than anything because He is. Amen? And He goes on, He says, verse 10, May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Talk to God. He's explaining this. Have this expectation. Talk to God like He can do what's right and best for your life, because He can. Talk to God like He can do what's best and what is right concerning you. In other words, I trust your kingdom in my life. I trust your reign, God, your rule in my life more than anything else, because I know you will do what's right by me, and you will do what's best for me. Talk to Him like that, because God knows the end from the beginning. In fact, He's partly he's known as Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, first and last. There is nothing that God has not known or will not know, because He is all-knowing. And He knows what is right and what is best for us. And we're to talk to Him, we're to pray to Him like He really knows what He's talking about, because He really knows what He's talking about. He knows the plan that He has for your life this year, and we need to approach Him with this expectation, God, you know what's right and best for me. I got all these thoughts, I got all these ideas, I got these uncertainties, I got some questions, God. I've got some things going on inside of me that I'm wrestling with, but I'm going to talk to you because like, you really know what is right and what is best. And guess what? He'll show you. He will show us. He will reveal to us what is right and what is best. Amen? Amen? You guys following me? Verse 11, he goes on, he says, look, in praying, give us today, pray this way, expect this, give us today the food we need. Talk to God like he can provide all your needs because he can. Talk to God like he can provide all your needs because he can. When I got hurt on Thanksgiving, I didn't know how, what was going to happen, how, what the outcome was going to be, what the, what the course laid out ahead of me. I had no idea. Go to few different doctors have some different tests, special doctors, because I'm so special. I need all the help I can get. And anyway, I'm here where I'm at. Go back this next week for a ch- uh, checkup. But here's the deal. I got a bill in the mail. It was pretty big. I didn't know I was going to pay for it. And knowing all this, four weeks in advance, this is probably going to mean I'm going to have to go through a series of appointments and things to make sure I, I don't, you know, have to be on crutches the rest of my life, that I can get well and get better, and I'm believing and asking God to heal me and all this stuff. I got a bill in the mail that's pretty large. I get a phone, I get a knock on my door week before last, and somebody drops off the receipt to the doctor bill that said paid in full. Paid in full. Talk to God like He can provide all your needs because He can. You have needs. I got needs. We all got needs. 
God knows what we have need of even before we ask Him. But will we talk to Him like He can really provide? Because He can. Amen? He goes on. He says this, verse 12. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Talk to God like He can forgive anything you've ever done. Because He can. His love for you is that strong. His desire for you is that real. His forgiveness for you is personal. He died a personal death. Jesus Christ died a personal death on the cross, shedding His blood for the forgiveness of His sins for you. It's personal. He made it personal. God makes everything personal because He personally is invested in every single one of our lives. So I don't know what maybe flares up in your life, what comes across your dashboard that makes you trip, makes you fall, makes you stumble, what the Lord is trying to work out in you. But whatever it is, it's not bigger than the forgiveness of God. You'll never advance, you'll never move forward until you first come to the realization that you need God's love and you need God's forgiveness. Not just for salvation, but the life that carries on after that. Because there's a whole lot of living after accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. A whole lot of living. There's a journey ahead of us. There's a journey this year. And guess what? We're going to need His forgiveness. So talk to Him like He really can forgive you. And then forgive yourself. And he goes on, forgive everybody else too. Forgive those who have trespassed against you. Amen? Forgiveness is a big aspect. Verse 13, and he says, And don't pray this way, pray with this expectation, and don't let us yield the temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Talk to God like he's able to give you strength to overcome temptations because he can. God does not want the temptations to get the best of us every time we face them. Matthew chapter 4 goes through the story of, of Jesus facing temptations and how he overcame them. And then this segment of his teaching, he's teaching us how to pray to God, how to approach him, that whatever we might have before us, whatever temptations are out there ahead of us that the enemy, the devil, wants to toss our way and, tri and trip us up with, pray to God. Talk to God like He's able to give you the strength you need to actually overcome whatever temptation that is in front of you because He really can do that. But guess what? If we don't ask, we don't get. God, why didn't you help me out? Well, you never asked. Yeah, but you knew all this was going to happen. Yeah, but you, still, you didn't ask. God wants you and I to realize our need for Him. He knows it but he's waiting for you and I to approach him and talk to him in a relationship. Amen? In a relationship. You know, having faith to pray like this doesn't just happen, doesn't just come on us, doesn't just stem out of nowhere. Having faith to pray like this and having faith to believe that God is real and he is personal and he's invested in our life and he cares for us and he knows us and all these things and he loves us, it comes by the word of God. Our, the Bible teaches us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Your faith to pray to God and to talk to God and, and approach God in a real relationship doesn't just happen. It happens when we open His book 
when we open His Word. It's His Word that builds and feeds our faith and starves our fears. The Word of God is so valuable, so imperative, and so important. That's why we like to take opportunities like this at the beginning of the year to set the tone and to set the stage for expectation for the rest of the year. That's why in these 21 days of prayer and fasting that we uh, like to provide you with some type of opportunity, a tool that would help generate um, an interest and a desire to seek the Lord and to learn from Him and to pray to Him. So we put these 21 devotionals out. We'll do it week to week. Lindsay mentioned them earlier. Go to our website, newlifechurchofjackson.org. You'll see it at the bottom on the home screen. It says 21 days is a picture. Uh, It looks just like this thing, this card that you've got that we have at the back table, the guest table. tells you what's coming up, and it has a a daily devotional with a scripture with a little bit of uh, uh, help and guidance. And, And then that should hopefully, what God wants to see happen is that word that we read should prompt us to pray and to seek his face. And so I can't encourage you enough. If you want your faith to grow, then you've got to feed your faith. And the way you feed your faith is through the word of God. Amen? That's the only way it can happen. It's through the word of God. God's, God's love for you and his plan for you and you to have faith for his, for his expectations of your life comes by the word of God, which stimulates us to want to pray I want to talk to God. Amen? So I, I encourage you in that. Do what you got to do. It might not be our devotional that we provide you. I just feel, you know, like it's, it's, it's our responsibility as a, as a shepherd and a pastor to try to provide you, the sheep, with something. But you can get your own stuff, whatever you find that works for you. Um, you might find it helpful reading uh, a, a different thing, a, a different devotional. Maybe you found a way to read the Bible in a different way, uh, like, a, uh, like maybe online, on an app, maybe a daily little breakdown, however that works for you. There's tons of ways, uh, tons of exposure to different ways to get in God's Word. Maybe you like it to be read to you uh, through, through your earbuds while you're driving to work or whatever. I don't know. Whatever it is, find a way to get in God's Word a little bit every day because it'll build your faith. And, it'll, and, it'll, and what it'll do, it'll, it'll make you want to talk to God more, if I could say it that way. You guys follow me? All right, and then lastly, he goes on and he's teaching this. Verse 16. He says, and when you fast, there it is again, it's, it's the common talk. When you fast, in other words, I, there's expectation. I expect my people to give. I expect my followers to pray. I expect my, my followers to fast. He says, when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. God, you look like crap today. You must be fasting. How'd you know? I tell you the truth. <laughs> I try to every week. I tell you the truth. Jesus tells us better truth. He says, that is the only reward they'll ever get. Is that the reward you want to get out of fasting? Want people to take note? Hey, you must be fasting. You look like garbage. Right? It's like, don't draw attention to yourself. Don't make it more of a big deal. Don't make more of it. Verse 17, when you fast, again, when you fast, expectation, comb your hair, wash your face. <laughs> Comb your hair, 
or wash your face. Because the way they fasted in that day and time, they wore certain clothes and they had this appearance about them. Oh, the fasters are over there. Hmm. Comb your hair, wash your face. Then, no one will notice that you are fasting. How about that? No one will notice except one person, except your father, who knows what you do in private. And your father, who sees everything, will reward you. There is reward for each one of these things that Jesus taught on. Reward for giving to those in need. Reward for praying. God answers. God comes through these different ways. There's reward for fasting. What does fasting do for us? Well, back then, they, it was common that they fasted twice a week. I'm glad we don't do that now. Like, that was, like, mandated, fast twice a week. Now, here's the spirit of this teaching. Jesus is teaching us, live a fasted life. Live a fasted life. Now, we as a church, we like to set aside a time because it builds camaraderie, it builds teamwork, it builds unity, knowing other people are praying and hungry just like you and making a sacrifice just like you in different ways. It, it does something for our spirit man knowing that our church family is all in this together. Amen? But fasting, it does a few things. Listen to this. Fasting causes us to relate to Jesus through the spirit of faith and not by sight, which is our flesh. So fasting causes us to relate to Jesus by, by faith and not by sight. Corinthians, Paul tells us, we live this life, we walk by faith and not by sight. What Jesus wants us to understand is, look, you're not going to know everything and see everything and feel everything, taste everything and touch everything that I want for you, that I need for you, and that I'm calling you for. But if you'll trust me and live by faith, you will then touch it, see it, feel it, smell it, etc. It'll actually come about. So we, we have this, because we're human... We're made of flesh and bone. We, we, we hurt when somebody hits us, etc., unless you're Iron Man or something like that. But we were flesh and bone. We hurt. We have feelings. We're sensitive and all those things. And so here's the deal. We tend to live our spiritual life the same way we live our natural carnal life. Not always, generally. So our approach to God a lot of times is based on what I can feel, what I can see, Right? So if we don't feel it or we don't see it right away, what happens? We get uptight, we get anxious, we then start to make things happen on our own. Instead of being patient, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. It's a whole lot about waiting. I know we don't like to wait. God knows we don't like to wait. But if we'll learn to wait, an answer will come. Fasting removes us out of the way and allows God to minister to our spirit. Because it's in our spirit man, our spirit person, that is where we need the most ministry. Not our flesh, not our five senses, but internally where you can't see it, but you know it. You know what I'm talking about? And it's in your spirit 
That is where God wants to meet you in your spirit. Fasting builds our relationship with God. So when you and I fast, when we live a fasted life, and we make sacrifices at different times, and especially like right now at this beginning of this year for the next 21 days, if there's, you know, I don't, what was today, January the 8th? Uh, so do the math, 8 from 365 is 354, no, 356, 356 days left, 21 days. I think you and I can do something. There's like 356 days left in the year. You and I can do something, something long. I might have not done the math right, 357. That's why you don't want me teaching your math class because everybody just gets an A. Go on about yourself. There's a lot of days left in the year, basically what I'm getting at. We got time. Fast something. Here's some thoughts. Here's some thoughts. Uh, if our folks on the worship team, those of you who are designated to come back up, can you come on back up? I'll wait for the heels to stop clicking. It's a bad thing about a gym floor. You hear everybody move. I'm sorry. Because I don't know where everybody is about fasting, where you, what you've done in the past or what have you, but if you've never fasted anything in your entire life, I will, I will encourage you this. Fast something in these 21 days. Here's some thoughts. Now, strict biblical fast is no food, just good liquids, okay? But I get there's a lot of other things that go on with life, and I think by the spirit of the letter of the law, by the spirit of the letter of Christ's words, I think there, there's a measure of understanding that you and I can take with this, and I'll give you some examples. Give up one food item or drink during this 21 days. I don't know, maybe caffeine, maybe coffee, uh, certain other drinks, sweet teas, sweets, stuff like that. I don't know what it might be. Whatever, that's just a thought, just something. Uh, now, there's, there's a fast that a lot of people look to in this time called the Daniel Fast. There's books and resources out there about the Daniel Fast uh, that is really good and different things like that. You could look at that. That lays it out, a lot of things to do without Give up a, maybe one meal a day, maybe one meal a week, something like that. Just some thoughts to think about. Uh, kind of depends on what you do, how laborious your jobs are, and different things like that. I don't, I don't, I don't want anybody to be foolish uh, in, the, in this approach, but uh, try, the idea is to try to find something that you know that, man, if I do that, that's going to be a sacrifice, and that might be the thing that you might consider doing without. Give up TV for 21 days. After, of course, you watch, you know, the playoffs today and start tonight or something. I don't know. Or after the national college championship game tomorrow night, you know. Uh, maybe give up Facebook. Give up Twitter, Instagram, or whatever other social media app is out there. You name it, they've got it. Maybe, maybe um, some of you are hardcore gamers. You play video games a lot. I don't know. Give up that. that the, the, those are just the entertainment side of, of some stuff that, that fills our time slots. 
uh, during his 21 days, maybe just fast, uh, literally maybe you go without food for a specific number of days, one day, two days, three days, I don't know. I don't know what you, you honestly feel like you can do or what have you. Um, but what I will tell you, if you do go without food altogether any period of days, I'm not talking about just a meal, but if you go for a day, two days, three days without food at all, be sure you drink plenty of water. And then don't go to Five Guys Burgers right after that and chow down or whatever because you'll get sick and it's not going to be good for your body. All right, so again, be wise, be smart, be, be uh, uh, use common sense. How about that? But at the same time, earnestly, you probably already know right now some of the things you can think of in your life that takes up a lot of your day and your time besides working. Don't fast work because you'll get fired. And then you have to have job counseling and skills rebuilt and help you coach through the depression and the grief. And, oh, what am I going to do? Nobody wants me anymore. What happened? Well, I was just fasting work. Well, duh. You don't have a job anymore. So, okay, you get what I'm saying? You'd be surprised when you, what people take away from messages. I'm serious. Be surprised what people take away from preacher sermons and like, well, my pastor said this, so it must... All right, so just use, use common sense. Just pray and ask God, what do you want? What do you want from me, God? What do you want from me? He'll tell you, right? He'll show you. And I think you'll be surprised at uh, um, what he can do in your life over these next 21 days. Here's what this is all about. 21 days, setting the stage to have great expectations for God in this new year. God knows, man, I got some stuff in my life, in my heart, in my mind, some of my actions sometimes. It just, it, 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 it's gone on long enough. I need change. I need transformation. And you know, that stuff doesn't just happen just because. It happens when we become sincere and when you and I become intentional about it. There are thoughts and there are things in your own life right now you know the Holy Spirit's been pushing that button and hitting you with that and showing you this this is a thing in your life that's holding you back that you need to grow up from this you need to grow out of this you need to grow up from this and become more like Christ we all have them we all are there so that's what these next 21 days are about setting the stage for the year because God wants to put within us great expectations for him to believe him for greater things than we have ever before and to believe that he is actually able to do those greater things even beyond what we ask or even think amen so the call is this if if you want to in your know you know you're in, in your in your heart in your mind you're saying, yeah I need to do something in these 21 days. I need to stretch myself. I need to put myself out there before God. I want God to take note of me, that I'm sincere, that I'm real, that I want more in my life than what I've had. And I believe that it's God that I need more of and less of myself. And maybe something along those lines, thoughts like that, click with you today. Something else I've said that was hopefully good that clicked with you today. 
then let's, I'm going to ask you, if you want to participate in this 21-day thing with the church, you can say, God, here I am. I'm just going to ask you to stand where you are, and I'm just going to pray over you today. You might not know exactly yet what the details of everything Maybe in the past, I'll say it this way, maybe in the past you've had a religious approach to God and to things like a 21-day prayer and fasting and things to that nature. Maybe your approach and philosophical thoughts have been more religious than, than relationship. I want to encourage you. Don't do it the same way. Change it up. Change it up. Let it be fresh. Let it be real. Let it be sincere in you this year. I'm going to pray over you, then we're going to close with this song that they're going to lead us through. And as we, as I pray, just bow your hearts, bow your heads, and just receive a freshness from the Holy Spirit today. And I'm going to pray actually right out of the Word of God, Ephesians 3, 14 through 20. It's the, verse that, the verses that lead up to the opening verse that we had about great expectation. Just receive this prayer for your life. Father God, I ask you to strengthen these here today by your Spirit. Not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength. I pray that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite Him in. I ask that God, you will, they will with both feet planted firmly on love. They'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breath. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives this year. Full in the fullness of God the Father. For God, you can do anything far more than you could, we could ever imagine or guess or request in our wildest dreams. You do it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, your spirit deeply and gently within us. So God, help us to make these 21 days set the stage for the year as we have great expectations for you and of you. And may we live up to your expectations that are great for our lives. In Jesus' name. If you receive that by faith today in your heart, just say amen.